Welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast. Yesterday we're talking about why Forbes wouldn't do an article on me. Uh, and I've kind of just let that go. But if anyone has any contacts at Forbes who'd be willing to come around, I'll leave that door half open. But let's open some different doors instead because we talked about why social connection is the most important factor probably in predicting the quality of our lives. I want to go in a bit more depth, just real quick episode today about that study we mentioned, which is the the Harvard Studies of Adult Development. Um, pretty impressive in that it's been running for, some, I think, more, more than 80 years now. I, think, I believe it started in the 1930s. So it's been quite, quite a mission. I think it's gone through four directors as well. And if you remember what what the uh, takeaway was from this study was just how important, above and beyond any other factor, uh, social connection and quality of relationships was predictive of good quality of life. So, yeah, over 80 years, and they've done over 1,300, they've been following over 1,300 people because they started with a group of, it was male college um, members at Harvard, um, because I believe at that time, women weren't at college yet. So <laughs> vastly different times. But they've since started tracking the offspring of, of the first, um, that first batch. So they've been following them all that time. And what specifically what, what this magical source has been, they've noticed continually, is relationships and the quality of those relationships is what predicts kind of better health outcomes and self-reported well-being over the course of like a single lifetime. Um, basically, those close relationships, if, if they are good and they're strong and they're quality, uh, have more of a positive impact than money or fame on uh, people's well-being and their reported quality of life. Uh, so it's that satisfaction with relationships. So another interesting note I put down here was that um, at the age of 50, satisfaction in relationships was more predictive of people's health outcomes than cholesterol. So super interesting in that we've got an actual physiological and health, health metric measurement compared to how we feel in relationships how satisfied we feel and the relationship factor is more predictive of health okay also um what else did i i found it super fascinating that marital satisfaction um is found to be incredibly protective for mental health so that's another kind of finding out of the study and i guess it comes back to and this is really rife and it's a big conversation in our culture now about loneliness and that loneliness i think it's the current director um dr waldinger i believe his name is he's the one who did the ted talk and there's a fascinating ted talk obviously where you'll get a much better breakdown of the harvard studies than you will hear um, but he basically is discussing this idea of loneliness and how it's really as bad as drinking and smoking for our health and that's one of the biggest epidemics i think we do face um, in this day and age, there's a lot of conversation around it. And it's the irony, it's the deep irony that in a day and age where we have social media 
Uh, we have media that's meant to make us social, that we are lonelier and more disconnected than ever before. So you might question why that is and think that it doesn't make sense on paper. It's probably hard to measure loneliness objectively for one thing. I mean, to say we're lonelier than ever before might be hard kind of statement, but I think people will point to things like climbing suicide rates and those sort of indicators. The problem is that I believe this is just my perspective. So grain of salt that the availability of social media as one example of what's going on is something that fractures communication rather than enhances it. So it widens who we can connect with, but in a way we almost spread ourselves thin and we spread ourselves too thinly over all that potential connection that we dilute the quality by going too broad. All right, imagine you were a school teacher trying to teach a class of 100 students compared to a class of 10 students. It'd be very hard to have quality, direct contact and impact on 100 compared to 10. Okay, so I, I think what our modern communication styles have done is really fractured things and spread us thin. Don't forget, we also spend more time looking and comparing ourselves on those platforms, which gives us the perception of loneliness. It's easy to focus on what we're missing out on. So it's very powerful. The other thing is that affluence kind of breeds loneliness. Amazing book, I would have talked about it already on earlier podcast episodes called Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging by Sebastian Junger. Talks about how with affluence, if you think about it literally, we build bigger houses, we have bigger fences, bigger blocks. If you think about luxury areas in whatever part of the world you're in, they're going to want more space, not less. And affluence makes people less codependent. They don't rely on the community as much. Therefore, your neighbours don't need to be people you know. Your neighbours can just be anyone because you can drive and get around and call and Skype and FaceTime your friends. So you don't need to live next door to one another anymore. Now, there are some of my friends I wouldn't want to live next door to not going to mention any names because they might be listening. Though, in general, you can start to see the narrative of why this makes us more fractured. And Tribe is a really interesting book talking about high suicide rates in more affluent areas and shocking metrics, shocking numbers and statistics like that, which really ram this point home. To then, to, to, I know it's annoying when I hark back and refer to old podcast episodes, but the minimum viable lifestyle uh, episode 001 right kicking things off I talk about the experience in Nepal it was it was not lonely at all when I was on top wasn't that comfortable but everyone was on top of me right I was staying with Nick and, and Jake my two good mates and the community would just come around the brick factory every day so it was very meaningful because lives life is more interconnected when you rely on people in the community it's a real uh, antidote to loneliness now we're materially more independent so we have to be more conscious and intentional about connecting with people and i'm going to keep talking about that but i just found i found i find the harvard um study was when i learned about this just a huge door opener it made me wake up just hearing when it's in a study like you kind of know this stuff but when it's just in a study you're just like 
Ah, oh, fuck. It's so true. That's the priority. Study, when you hear about, oh, it's, it was in a study, it just gives this kind of sense of objectivity to it. Like, this is literally what scientists have found you should be focusing on. And, you know, studies have shown is always a bit of a throwaway. You, I think we should always take that with a grain of salt. There's no such thing as pure objectivity, even in, even amongst our amazing scientists. But, I mean, in particular, what we've got here is really, really prescriptive. I think it's really easy to implement. I think it's really clear that it needs to be implemented. Um, one of the other directors um, of the study, um, Dr. Valant, I believe his name is, and he wrote a book called Aging Well, and basically found that there's six factors that kind of are predictive right, of um, aging well. So it's physical activity. Sorry, I'm having to read these because too much to remember. Uh, absence of alcohol abuse and smoking. Uh, mature mechanisms to cope with life's ups and downs. Healthy weight. Uh, Jesus Christ. Stable marriage. My own handwriting. Jeez. And if living in, in the city, education. And I just find them very fascinating as well for different reasons that especially the last one about education only being important factor for uh, quality of life, quality of um, health outcomes when aging in the inner city, not in rural areas. So it's this whole twin-edged sword we have with all our advancements and all our innovation that being in an urban place makes it more necessary to have education. Whereas if we all lived more tribal, rural lives, education wouldn't be important. Then we, If there was no education, there'd be no education problems. There'd be no Ken, Sir Ken Robinsons and Seth Godin's challenging things. I'm going to take a stab, right? So forgive me, but I can't resist taking a stab on that and saying that, I guess, education when you live in an inner... Like I'm in Sydney right now, very urban city. Education would become more important because socially... Uh, you're kind of left out. And also you're put in different buckets of society and sometimes looked down upon if you don't have education. But it's also probably a barrier to a lot of opportunities. So I think it comes back to the status and standing you can have, which you're more conscious of in a big environment. If you live in a tribe, what's the status? What do you feel like you're missing out on? Everyone's on the same level. It's very humble and you, you kind of do without the extras and there's no barriers to connection. So one of the big themes I think you'll notice I shift towards in these episodes is how, yes, we've created a very advanced and sophisticated society these days. It makes things a lot more comfortable and convenient, but a lot of that comes at the cost of what makes life truly meaningful. And there's a lot of barriers to connection that uh, exacerbate loneliness and it's something to be very conscious of because i believe i've found we need to be intentional we need to go out of our way to to kind of set up lives like i talked about my balance sheet yesterday but that's something you need to think about how what's your balance sheet because your balance sheet for life is not just income it's got to have it all right it's got to have all those important things and they're not i just they're not actually that mysterious some of them are in studies, some of them are in books, but the clues are everywhere. I'm trying to distill in here what I've learned so far. Uh, but I'm sure it's just tip the, the tip of the iceberg, but 
you know, it's quite basic though as well. It's quite basic. Just have quality connections with people. And we're going to talk about that a bit more, not in the next episode, but the one after. And just talk about tactically, how can you do that? So that's something for you to just ponder and think today again, is just looking at, you know, where, where are those barriers to connection in your life right now? Where are those barriers to community? To not just being with people, but having quality of social connection. And we'll revert back and keep talking about that. So just remember, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, these episodes are designed to be consumed in order. So I recommend going back to the start and listening to them all the way through. But apart from that, I'll remind you to, if you have learnt stuff here and you think of someone who could benefit from it, to share it with them because the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. Thank you.